0: So we're starting a new series this evening on marriage and family. And tonight we're going to look at singleness. So in marriage and family, with family I don't mean uh, husband, wife and children. I mean extended family also. Unbelieving family members, widows, single people and so on. So marriage and family, singleness this evening. uh, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 25 to 38. I'm skipping verse 39 and 40 because I want to preach on widows next Sunday evening. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 25 to 38. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we draw near to you the Most High. Knowing that we are in great need of your grace and the help of the Holy Spirit, we are dependent on you as the body is dependent on oxygen and as we are dependent on water and food, so we need you for the life of the body and the life of the soul. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell in our midst as we know the Spirit dwells within us. So we pray that we would be aware, especially this evening, of the presence of your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Most married people don't understand the frustrations of single people. And I include myself in that. I don't understand. We don't have uh, a good grasp, a firm grasp of what kind of temptations they have. They're lonely. Uh, They are tempted to view pornography. They're tempted to read um, romances or to read women's magazines and it stirs them sexually. They are tempted to move in with a person of the opposite sex and live in sexual immorality. They have fears. They are afraid that their biological clock will just run down and they won't be able to have children if they do get married, if they ever get married. They are tempted to just by in vitro fertilization Go to a place and have children of their own, though they're not married. They, they are tempted to doubt God's goodness and God's promises. Yes, Lord, you say, it's not good for man to be alone. Why am I alone? You say, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And why, why don't I have someone? And I think the last verse they misunderstand, as many people do, married and single. They tend to, to doubt God's wisdom. What's what's the purpose of my singleness? And they feel bitter toward God or perhaps depressed because they've been dreaming of having their own family and they thought by the age of 30 they'd be settled and have their own family but now they're over 35 years old they've passed the age of 35 and there's nothing. And a hope deferred makes their heart sick. They, they have to take major life decisions alone and they bear all the responsibility for that. They may be tempted to be jealous when they see on Facebook how happy married people look and families look how happy they are. And they may be tempted to become jealous because all their friends are getting married and they're still single. Sometimes they, when they're with married friends, they feel like like they're a burden. We're just in the way. We don't fit in. And then the temptation to have unhealthy friendships. Yes, normal friendships with Someone of the same sex uh, is just friends, and <coughs> but then it becomes unhealthy because there's an emotional attachment and I can't live without you. <coughs> and then the pressure of unbelieving colleagues who tell them, why, why do you want to wait to have sex until you're married? Why wait for marriage? Uh, why not sell your beauty? You, you're, a, you're an attractive person and to dress immodestly, it's not wrong if... And then the temptation to enjoy the attention of married men or married women. The temptation to be a sympathetic listener, give a sympathetic ear to a married person who shares all his or her marriage problems with you. And then an unhealthy emotional attachment starts with that other person if it doesn't go all the way to sexual immorality. But there might be an emotional attachment to this married person. And then coming home after work, and there's no one to share your frustrations with. You have no one to share your joys with. You're just alone. And then the temptation to get married to an unbeliever. Why wait? <coughs> and then what's really frustrating, is frustrating, and it's a frustration if even Christians, they, it's like they when they talk to you, they can't see that your identity is in Christ. It's almost as if they think your identity is in your marital status. They think there must be something wrong with you because you're already 35 or over and you're not married yet. And then they make insensitive and unsensitive remarks when they say you need to... What God wants to teach you, wants to teach you to be satisfied with Him alone. And then only once you've learned that, then you... He will send you a marriage partner. He will send you a husband. He will send you a wife. As if if the people who say that, as if they content, they understand everything about contentment. They understand everything about being satisfied with Christ. They don't need to learn anything. And then you start wondering, "Is is the Lord disciplining me for something? And I think what must be quite frustrating is if everyone's looking for a spouse for you, They're trying to find your spouse and they think it's so exciting if you go on a blind date. But they don't know it's the 25th blind date of the year. And then I can understand that single people become highly frustrated and that they they would say things like uh, Robert Vaughan quoting someone, one man was so fed up with being asked, are you still single, that he began to respond, are you still married? Or the story, another story is of the single person at every wedding the ladies tell him you're next you're next and when he got to the next funeral he said to those same ladies you're next <laughs> listen to be single is not a curse according to the apostle paul there are good reasons for why people remain single and and this sermon tonight it's necessary for single people to hear this but it's also people uh, it's also necessary for married people to together so we can understand the single life we can understand we can be sensitive towards single people and we can encourage them and we can pray for them in the right way so the first reason for remaining single is oppression not quite oppression that's the wrong word in afrikaans we'd say uh, uh, so the word i'm looking for might be suffering i don't quite know how to translate this these afrikaans notes. Into English, But uh, it's not persecution only, because there's more to it than this. This is verse 25 to 28. Let me just explain what I mean by this. Quite recently, maybe two weeks ago, one of our church members shared with us that a friend of his had died of COVID after being married for a full year. Only one year, and the guy died. And it's for this reason Paul says, Singleness is good, especially in the present circumstances, verse 26. I think that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. You think of Jeremiah, for instance, with the siege of Jerusalem, and God said, don't take a wife. Jeremiah 16, because of the circumstances. Paul even says in verse 8, it's good to remain single. Now, perhaps when he says... The present distress in verse 26, maybe he means the, uh, the famine that came during the days of Claudius Caesar, or maybe very soon he's referring to the persecution that would start very soon, within 10 years from this letter, persecution would come under Nero Caesar. As you see in the ESV, it says the present distress, then there's a footnote, and the footnote says the impending distress, meaning that which is very near, not necessarily it's right there at the moment and now uh, Paul's teaching on on single people it's it's not a command from the Lord to say you may not get married if you are single as he says in verse 25 concerning the betrothed or concerning the single people concerning the virgins I have no command from the Lord so it's not a command this but he says, I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Verse 40, second part, I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Um, so, this is trustworthy advice Paul gives about singles, about virgins. Spirit inspired advice. And this is especially, I think, ap- ap- applicable to Christians in persecuted countries today, like Iran it's much easier to flee in a situation of persecution if you're a single person that you flee with your wife and three kids and if you do get caught if you're single you don't put your family's life in danger your wife and your kid or or your husband and your children's life in danger and you don't have all the stress about if i die if they kill me how will my children survive you don't have that In the words of J.B. Lightfoot, a man who is a hero in himself becomes a coward when he thinks of his widowed wife and his orphan children, end quote. And even even in our time, in this context of, of COVID, although, yes, I don't think it's the big pandemic they make it out to be, but people are dying. And we've seen it in our own church. We've seen it with people in our church with friends and family members. So in the context of a pandemic and pandemics that are worse than covid also especially or the context of war for instance let's say first or second world war singleness is better uh, leon morris says quote when high seas are raging it's raging it's no time for changing ships end quote and so that is why paul said in the context of persecution are you are you married are you bound verse 27 bound meaning bound in a marriage relationship in the bond of marriage and i take the word bound there to mean that and not engagement because of verse 39 a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives and the word bound there is the same greek word in verse 20 as in verse 27 so it's referring to the bond of marriage are you in the bond of marriage don't get divorced verse 27 don't seek to be free Especially because the circumstances are hard now and you know, I oh, would rather want to get a divorce, this is too hard. Or like many people did, did you notice? During COVID and during lockdown and, and the weakening economy, many people got divorced. The, the divorce rate just skyrocketed. No, Paul says, don't seek to be free. You want to stay in that marriage, and you want to stay in it, especially during times like this, during hard times, because you want to stand by your spouse. You want to encourage them and be there for them and be there with them. Or perhaps you are free from a wife. In other words, you are already divorced. Um, Well, the Apostle Paul already said in verse 15, speaking about people who are, are no longer bound or enslaved, they're no longer married, or verse 39 speaks of the husband dies and the woman is free. She's free from that marriage. So in this case too, in verse 27, you are free from this marriage, you've already been divorced. Then he says, don't seek a wife. Don't seek a wife because there are difficult times. You might remarry and your wife dies within a year or within five months. So think very carefully And very clearly, if you do get married, and if you want to get married, because if you do get married, according to Scripture, you must stay married, even if circumstances are hard. That's what we saw, or at least that's what Paul says in verse 10 and 11. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. You get married, you're in it for life. Now, according to the Bible, God does, he does make two exceptions. And the one exception is in Matthew 19, verse 9. If there's sexual sin, then there are grounds for divorce. And if you disagree with me on this, that's fine. Just wait. I'm going to get to the sermons on divorce too. But the apostle does say... Well, Jesus does say, if there's sexual sin, then there are grounds for divorce and for remarriage. And in the second circumstances in 1 Corinthians 7:15, if the unbeliever wants to get divorced, then in such cases the believing party, the brother or sister, is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. So you may get divorced in those two cases. But even then, even then, if you are divorced on biblical grounds and you may remarry, It is not the best thing to get married in difficult circumstances. Paul says so in verse 27, that if you are free from a wife, do not seek a wife. But if you do get married, remarried, Paul says in verse 30, if you do marry, you have not sinned. And then he also says, if a betrothed woman, so a virgin, someone who's never been married, if they get married, it's no sin, or you who are divorced for biblical reasons, you get remarried. It's not sin. And yet you must understand, if you do get remarried, or you do get married as a, as a single person, it will be hard. Not only because of persecution, but because there are certain challenges that married people have that single people don't have. There are, there are, there are challenges in a post-Genesis 3, a post-fall world, a, a fallen world in a... Um, in a world where marriage is not perfect as it was before Genesis chapter three, that's why Paul says in verse twenty-seven: "If you do marry, you have not sinned; and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles." And I would spare you that. It's not easy for people from two different backgrounds. Suddenly, you're in a situation you need to share everything. You're in a situation, and all day and every day, you you see one another's faces. That's not not easy, and it's and it's especially hard in the in the first years of marriage and it's especially hard if you've been single for many years. You were accountable to no spouse, you could come and go as you wanted to and now suddenly you need to work around someone else's diary and you need to consider someone else's, uh, what are their likes and their dislikes. So don't think if I can only get married that'll solve all my problems. If I can only have a husband, if I could only have a wife I'd be happier. You know, marriage, I just look forward to it. It's everything I read of in, in Christian novels and um, everything I read of or watch when I watch Christian comedy, or uh, romantic comedies. I don't hope you watch many of them because some of them are bad. But, but if they're good, you know, the hallmark ones, they're clean and, oh, it'll be just like that, this prince and it's not like that. To be married, you you'll have challenges, and especially hard, as I said earlier, in the in the first years of marriage. I remember when my wife and I just got married. I r- I remember her very first Christmas after we were ma- after we got married, and and it was overwhelming to her. Here's my father, my mother, my two sisters, my brother. They've all come for Christmas, and they've crashed in our our two bedroom flat. <laughs> it was difficult for her. I think of how how we grew up differently, so. The way we do Christmas is different. Her family, they sit together all the time. You have to be there all the time visiting. My family, we just, everyone does his own thing. And so with her family, the first Christmas or one of the first Christmases we had together, they're all sitting outside visiting and and I'm lying on my bed. I got a John Piper book for Christmas. So I'm enjoying my book and my wife says, why are you not with us? I said, I got a book for Christmas. And the family thought I was angry with them, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I was just enjoying my book. And when it's with my family, when we have Christmas, so two will be playing Lego or cards or uh, two will be sitting around the kitchen table visiting and others will be outside throwing a Frisbee and one will be lying on the bed sleeping. And so here's my wife sitting in the lounge alone and she feels that my in-laws don't like me. But that's not the case. So that's Paul's point in verse 28. You'll have difficulties. You're going to have troubles in marriage. Uh, and then we're not even, we haven't even spoken about kids because when you have kids, then that just complicates things more. And the older your kids get, the heavier their burdens become. So they've got these burdens and it's not their burdens only, it becomes your burdens. That's the kind of stuff Paul is, wants to protect these Corinthians and us against in verse 28 he says at the end i would spare you that i want to spare you these troubles all right next in verse 29 to 31 we see that this world is passing by Uh, verse 29 this is what i mean brothers the appointed time has grown very short from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none and those who mourn as though they were not mourning. Those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Now many fairy tales end with this line. And they lived happily ever after. And that's how some people live. They live as if this world and the things of this world, also marriage, it'll just last forever and ever and ever. And Paul says, don't live like that. Your time and my time in this world is running out. And especially in hard circumstances like they had or when persecution is coming or, or in COVID, during COVID. This time, many of your friends and your family members and even some of our church members have been hit hard by COVID. So verse 29, he says, the appointed time has grown short. It's not easy. Our life on earth is short. So don't live in marriage as if it's going to last forever. Don't live for your marriage. Remember, your spouse can be taken from you at any moment. Verse 29. Middle of the verse. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Meaning, not meaning just disregard your wife or your husband, but just meaning you must remember it's not going to last forever. And then if they do die, you're going to mourn, and you're going to cry, and you're going to weep and be sad. But verse 30 says, mourn as though you do not mourn. Remembering Jesus will come again and wipe the tears from your eyes. And then joys of this world. Don't find your joy and your pleasure and work for and live for your job, your career, or for possessions in this world. Because you're going to lose it when you die. You'll lose everything when you die. Verse 30. Those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world, in other words business, as though they had no dealings with it. Because remember that the world and everything in it will pass away. End of verse 31. The present form of this world is passing away. It's going to pass away and when Jesus comes that includes marriage. That goes for marriage, there will be no more marriage between a husband and a wife, although the only marriage will be between Christ and his church. Matthew twenty two thirty. We will not get married in the new world. So focus on the true marriage between Christ and his church rather than, than idolizing the marriage between a, a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. Because if you idolize marriage, you make an idol of marriage, then you're going to start thinking there must be wrong, something wrong with single people. Maybe the reason why they're still single is they come from a broken family. They've got a broken background, a broken past. And you start thinking they're missing the highest goal in life, namely to be married. But you're missing it because Scripture tells us the highest goal in life is not to get married. The highest goal in life is to glorify God, whether you are single or married. And the single person who glorifies God in his or her life, well, they're better off than the married person who doesn't do that. And if you want to glorify God, the only way you can do it is through Jesus. Because Jesus was also single while He was on earth. Jesus is single and Jesus lived to the glory of His Father in His singleness. And then He died on the cross because we did not live to the glory of the Father. Jesus took the punishment for our disobedience. And then you also live to the glory of God if you live in a relationship with Him. And now through His Spirit, He changes you so that you can glorify God in your singleness or in your married state, whatever state you are in. Didn't Paul say that? We should glorify God in that way, single or married. And once you do that and you start living to the glory of God, you will not become depressed because you're unmarried or you start feeling bitter because you're unmarried. You won't do that anymore. And that won't, that won't cross your radar. That won't enter your mind because you will want to know, how can I glorify my Father? Number three, we see divided attention, verse 32 and 30 to 35. That's another reason for people remaining single. Verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried and betrothed or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Uh, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'm going to have a, a sermon on that too. But ADHD refers to, at least in part, it refers to someone who cannot concentrate for too long on one thing. They cannot focus on one thing for too long. And you know, Mary, many, many people have spiritual ADHD, they, they divide their attention between Jesus and the things of this life, uh, where, where the psalmist prays, give me an undivided heart, unite my heart to fear your name. But now people are divided, and one of the things that might divide your attention is marriage, as Paul says in these verses, like in Luke 14, verse 20, the man who didn't come to the marriage feast because he said, I married a wife, I can't come. And this is what Paul tries to prevent. In verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. Verse 35, where he says, I want to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And so that's why he tells these, these single Christians, he tells them, you have certain privileges that married Christians do not have. And he says that in verse 32. The, the unmarried man is anxious how to please the Lord. He is interested in the things of the Lord. Verse 33, um, he talks now about the married person, and then verse thirty-four, the unmarried or betrothed woman. So, so unmarried people they've got certain privileges that married people do not have, or at least, yeah, advantages, if I could call it that. So these unmarried believers, whether you are now unmarried because of divorce or because of engagement. Uh, verse 34 The unmarried or betrothed. So, the unmarried refers to a divorced person, and we know that from verse 8 to the unmarried and widows. So, widow, you lost your spouse through death, unmarried, you lost your spouse through divorce, and then back to verse 34 and unmarried or betrothed. So, there's a distinction between unmarried by divorce and unmarried because you've never been married. And then also in verse 11. Uh, he spoke of divorce in verse 10 and says the person who gets divorced, verse 11, should remain unmarried. There you have the term again. Alright, so whether you're unmarried because of divorce or you're, still, you're engaged but not married yet, the unmarried person wants to know, how can I serve the Lord? How can I please the Lord? How can I be pure in, and, and holy in my body and in my spirit? Verse 32 and 34. And the married person, this married Christian, he now divides his attention and divides his focus between the, his spouse and the Lord. Verse 33 and 34. You see in verse 33, the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. His interests are divided. And then, end of verse 34, middle, the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So, for instance, a Christian husband, he is a Christian man who wants to give extra money to missionaries, but he also wants to fix up his house and make it nice for his wife. So you see his interests are divided, or here's a Christian woman, she wants to go to the woman's Bible study, but her husband says, you can't go, I come from work and we don't see each other enough, and I want to spend time with you, and I want the kids in in bed early, so we can't go out at night. Uh, You can't go out, uh, or to the the church congregational Bible study, and so you see again, this, this woman her interests are divided, verse 34, she wants to please her husband. But the single woman and the single man, they're different. You see, they can, they can give much more time to the Lord. They can devote themselves much more to the Lord. At least the potential is there. And they can give their undivided attention and devotion to the Lord, verse 32 and 34. So don't see your singleness as a curse. Don't see it as a punishment. See it as an opportunity to give yourself, to devote yourself to the Lord more, as Paul says in th- verse 32 and 34. You have privileges that married people don't have. You can do certain things and you don't have to even be accountable to your spouse because you don't have a spouse. So you can go on a short-term missions outreach. You can become a missionary. You can give yourself, remain single because you want to be a missionary in a persecuted country, Matthew 19, verse 12. Or you can come home from work and spend the whole time just reading a Christian book that a married person can't do. You can give... More time in the Word and, and to fasting and to prayer, like in 1 Timothy 5 verse 5, widows. And they can devote themselves to prayer and to fasting. You can give your whole Saturday and set apart a Saturday to visit the old people who help at a children's home. You can give more money to missions, like F.F. F. Bruce, the late F.F. F. Bruce, a, a British theologian, who apparently, I just heard this, uh, decided not to put carpets in his house, because he wanted to use that money and to give it to missions and support missionaries. Like like Lydia in Acts 16, verse 14 and 15, she, she showed hospitality to Paul and his missionary team. You can be at the woman's Bible study and you can stay till lost because you don't have to go home. Your husband's not waiting for you. You can invite widows to your house and you can invite many of them and invite them for lunch. Saturday lunch, or for Saturday tea. You can take out your family members, children of your family, or maybe your friends' kids, or kids from the church. You can take them for a milkshake. Uh, You know, (laughs) my children love the single people. They love them. Um, John Longland, my kids love him. And I know Nearly, my my daughter went with Nearly To her work job shadowing and she loves nearly uh, Or i think of susan i know she takes her brother's kids she brings them to church sometimes and she spends time with them and they love her or when before my sister got married my kids loved it to go with her and she loved taking them for milkshake and to movies and for ice cream so spend your time doing that and devote yourself to the lord rather than spending your whole saturday saturday being in the mall and shopping i'm not saying you may not shop but but don't give your time to all of that when you can give your time to serving the Lord. Spending your whole Saturday reading romantic novels or uh, watching TV series romances, or chasing a career to make more money and living for money, and uh, spending all your time being in the gym so you so you can be have your body in shape and be pretty. And, and focusing all on outward beauty instead of inward beauty. And I'm not saying all of those things are wrong, but I am saying don't focus on them. Rather focus on your relationship with the Lord. And don't sigh when you see Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone, so why am I still alone? Don't sigh. Rather see, okay, it's not happening for me in marriage, but it can happen for me by being part of a church family, being involved in the church, using using my gifts to serve and growing with other believers. Now I'm not I'm not trying to to teach you wrongly by saying you may not want a spouse and desire a spouse and look for a spouse. Yes, you may look for a spouse, for a marriage partner. Uh, That's fine. But what, what I'm trying to say is that the single person who remembers and discovers the things I just said about devoting yourself more to the Lord, you will experience... A kind of fulfillment that some married people never experience. Verse 35 at the end. Not that I'm trying to lay restraint. I'm not saying you may not get married, he says. I want to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. It reminds me of a friend. He only got married after he was 40 years old. He was single for 40 years. And that friend, after he was converted in his early 20s, he poured all of his life and his time into serving the Lord. Number four, fourth reason why people remain single is self-control. Verse 36 to 38, if anyone thinks he's not behaving properly toward his betrothed or his virgin, if his passions are strong and it has to be led into do as he wishes, let, let them marry. It's no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart being under no necessity but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. I know a man who his daughter really wanted to get married, and when the young man came and said, Sir, can I marry your daughter? He said, No, she must first complete her studies. And within that next year, his daughter became pregnant. Now, what does that have to do with verse 36 to 38? Let me explain. Some translations they translate these verses as referring to the virgin's dad. So here's this young girl, she's at marriageable age, and Paul is saying, according to these verses then, that the father shouldn't prevent his daughter from getting married if she wants to get married. And then other translations, they translate the verse as if Paul is saying that this young man who is engaged to this young woman... Don't postpone your wedding date if you have strong sexual desires. And both these translations are possible from the Greek. Now, I'm going to go for the second option because in another sermon I want to talk to you about the father's role in giving his daughter in marriage. So let's focus on this young man and young woman. They're engaged, and Paul's point here is don't be engaged for years and years if you have strong sexual desire. Get married, verse thirty-six. If his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry, verse nine. It is better to marry than to burn with passion. If you can't exercise self-control, get married. It reminds me of Odi Balkam. Odi Balkam was said in a sermon. He got married at the age of nineteen because he didn't want to fall into the temptation. And as he said, the strongest man in the Bible, Samson, the wisest man in the Bible, Solomon, and one of the most godly men in the Bible, David, all fell into sexual sin. And he didn't want to fall into that same trap. So don't be like the world. Don't be like the world. You know, in the world, many men, they want the privileges of marriage, but they also still want to be single if it suits them. And God is not happy with that. God is not pleased with that. God is not pleased if you treat marriage cheaply. If you make it cheap and you think, oh, just if we live together and move into, this, into one flat, that's just as, just as good as being married. No, it's not. Because if you have sex outside of marriage, then God warns you he's going to judge you. Hebrews 13 verse 4. Now, if you can control yourself and you are happy to be single, that's also fine. Verse 37. He who is firmly established in his heart being under no necessity but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. That's fine. But then please, be open with the man who is interested in you. Be open with a woman who is interested in you. And tell them, this is where we, I stand with you and you can move on. You can find someone else and get married to them. Be open with them. Verse 38. Uh, verse 37. So he's determined, this woman's going to remain a virgin, i remain a virgin, she can find someone else, or I can, find, uh, I can continue in my life as a single person. Alright, now a question, what if you want to get married? You really want to get married, you have a strong sexual desire, you're praying for a marriage partner, and you just don't find one. Well then, that is God's will for you at the moment. Verse 7, verse 7 says, I wish all were as myself and Paul as single, but each has his own gift from God, one of a one kind, one of another kind. One person has the gift of singleness, one has the gift of marriage, and if you're single, then you have the gift of singleness. Then, Although you say, but I don't, I want to get married. Well, that is God's will for you at the moment. To have the gift of singleness? And you need to see God's sovereign hand in this. You need to thank God for this. You need to serve God while you are single. You need to believe God will work even your singleness together for good if you do love Him and if you've, called, you've been called according to His purpose. He will use your singleness to make you more like Christ. It's like that same friend of mine I spoke of just now when he was single. He lay on his bed one day and he said, Why am I still single? And then he said, Ah, I know, because God is sovereign. This is what God has chosen for me and we're satisfied with it. And then also ask the Lord to help you against sexual temptation and lust and believe it is possible to overcome those temptations. Like that same friend said, uh, he recently told me, he's only been married for about three and a half years. Uh, maybe, Maybe it's four years. But anyway, he told me, Recently, end of last year, said it is possible. It is possible for a single person to overcome sexual temptation and the temptation of lust. And he knows that from experience. Now, if the Lord does give you the opportunity to get married to another believer, and if it's your desire to get married, then get married. Verse 38. He who marries his betrothed does well. It's good. Verse 39. Marry only in the Lord. So marry another Christian. But if you decide for the reasons of verse 26, because of difficult circumstances, verse 28, he'll be trouble in marriage. Verse 32, I want undivided devotion to the Lord. If you decide for those reasons, I don't want to get married, that's also fine. Verse 38 at the end, he refrains from marriage, will do even better, meaning better because of the difficult circumstances. So both marriage and singleness are good. It's good. Verse 7, each has his own gift. That's fine. It's good to be married. Yes, God says so. It's good to be single. God says so. And then I want to encourage you to, perhaps the single people. There's a book called Not Yet Married by Marshall Siegel. It's uh, free on Desiring God's website. Not Yet Married, Marshall Siegel, S E G A L, the surname, and you can find that on the internet. Download it for free and read that. uh, A trusted, trustworthy friend told me that recently, a single guy, and said, read that book. Uh, It's a good book, and it'll help you to understand singleness better. And then I also want to encourage you to wait, because I'm going to preach on sexual purity, and then I'll have a sermon on choosing the right spouse. If you do want to get married, or if you want to remain pure, uh, because God wants you to, then just wait for those sermons. And I think the last one, if you do want to get married, that'll help you, how to choose the right spouse. And then if you're married... Pray for the single people and tell them you're praying for them. Don't just pray for them for a spouse, but pray for them because they've got unique temptations. They've got unique frustrations. They've got unique challenges. Uh, they tempted to be discontent and pray for them that they would be content. And pray for them that they would have zeal to serve the Lord with undivided devotion. And then invite them for dinner, not just once after the sermon, but invite them for dinner, invite them to your house, just just for a visit, not not oh, for, for lunch, or, or braai, or whatever. Don't invite them because you want to introduce them to some weak-willed Christian, some Christian who, or person who's not really devoted to the Lord. Oh, this is a wonderful moral person, but they're not even serving the Lord properly. Don't do that. Don't invite them for such reasons. Just invite them because you want to be their friend, you want to build... Uh, relationships, build friendships, encourage one another, have a spiritual conversation. You know, an older pastor is in heaven now, Irving Steggles. He was at Birchley Baptist Church. But he understood this better than I do. Uh, he was a single man his whole life. And we had a singles briar at our church. We had this briar for the single people. And it was really a matchmaking thing. And he responded, I hope it's not a matchmaking opportunity. And now I understand what he means because single people, like married people, should focus on their relationship with the Lord. Single people don't need married people who will act as if singleness is a problem and it can only be solved by putting a ring on your finger. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we draw near again to you, I ask that you would encourage and help the single people in our church to be content in their singleness and to grow in their walk with you and to trust you if you want to give them the gift of marriage that you will do so or while they're single to use the gift of singleness to serve you better. Glorify your name in their lives and in our lives as a church, the married and singles, to love you, to be devoted to you, to serve one another, to encourage one another and to glorify your name. Amen.